Welcome to everyone, and to those of you who have been since service, welcome to you as well, and to those of you who are joining us online, it's so great that you could be here with us today. I'm so glad that we can come together. I missed you guys last week. I had an experience last week that I have never had before. I had to call in sick on a sermon. It has never happened to me before. In fact, I have only very rarely heard of it even happening to pastors, but our family had this awful stomach bug, and I, uh, I won't terrify you with the gory details, but we are all doing much, much better. And thank you for everyone who's come and chatted with me this morning and expressed concern. We're, we're all doing great. But I gotta say, John came and preached last week, and I think God had this all in mind all along, because that message last week from John was just, it was exactly, I don't know about you, it was what I needed to hear. I thought it was just, it was just terrific. I really encourage you to go listen to it if you missed it last week. Um, in last week's message was the final message in this section of 1 Corinthians talking about food. We've been in a series working through the book of 1 Corinthians. This week is part 11. Can you believe it? 11 weeks? Sorry, can you believe it's only been 11 weeks? We are, so this week we are on part 11, and last week was the last message in the section about food. 1 Corinthians is a letter that can be divided into different sections, talking about different topics. We started out talking about the divisions that were in the church. There was an extended period talking about sex, and that was lots of fun, wasn't it? Didn't everyone have fun in that? Last, then, then we finished talking about food, and this week we are starting a new section, and in fact, this is the last section of the book before Paul's conclusion. And Paul's conclusion we will visit together on Easter, but so we're starting, it's kind of a mini-series if you think about it. Like this week we're starting off a new part, and we're going to keep talking about this part, even though they're different chapters, it's all still linking together. So this week, we are starting to talk about spiritual gifts and the questions of the Corinthian church as they relate to the gathering of the saints, church, getting together. So let's pray, and then let's get into the Word. Lord, thanks for today. Thanks that we're here, that we're together. Thanks for technology that lets those of us who can't be here join us online. Thank you for your Word Thank you for peace in our land. Thank you for health. Thank you for all the things that are going our way. The new season, many new things. We thank you, God. We pray that you open your word to us, that our hearts would be ready to receive, and that you would speak loudly to us. In your name, amen. So let's start reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read through the whole chapter today, but we're not going to do it all in one go. Starting in verse one. I'm, I like to read from the New International Version. You're welcome to read from whatever version you happen to prefer, but that's what's going to be on the screen, the NIV. Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. 
Let's stop here for a minute, and let's just focus on what Paul must be answering. We know that this letter is like listening to someone talk on the phone. Do we still do that? Do we still talk on the phone? We don't just text? So imagine that you're listening to someone talk on the phone, and of course, you can only hear one side of the conversation, right? You can only hear what they're saying. You can't hear what the other person says. And that is what 1 Corinthians is like. We have Paul's answers, but we don't have their questions. We don't have the letter that the Corinthians sent. We don't even have the report brought by Chloe's household that Paul is responding to. We just kind of have to infer. But Paul starts this chapter with now, the word now, and that echoes how he's started other sections. He started chapter 8, now, about food sacrificed to idols. He started chapter 7, now for the matters that you wrote about. So we can be reasonably confident that this section is written in response to something that the Corinthian church was asking. And this section, more than any other section of this letter, makes me very sad for the Corinthians because of what they must have been asking. Paul seems to be answering the cry of a group of people who are wondering if they are really saved. A group of people who are wondering if they really have the Holy Spirit. And that's super heartbreaking. But also, it's not something that's unique to the Corinthian experience. Haven't you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered, am I really saved? Does God really love me? Is God really working through me? You want a nice dramatic example of that? Me. I'm a nice dramatic example of that. I think since I came here to be your pastor, there might have been one sermon, one, that the sermon came out and it was a great experience. I mean, it's always a great experience when the sermon comes out, right? And it always does. God is faithful. But usually, I have to wrestle and search and break down and finally pry the sermon because who knows, right? And it leads to all sorts of questions on my end. So I'm a nice dramatic example of someone who has the opportunity to wonder if God is really working through them. But you don't have to be a pastor to feel that way, right? I'm a dramatic example, but that doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you. You can have that worry as a parent. Am I being the parent that God needs me to be with these kids that he's trusted me with? You can have that worry as a volunteer in kids or youth or adult ministry, wondering whether God is really going to use you. You know, for that matter, you can have that worry just as a Christian going about your life, working and trying to be a witness to people. But this is Paul's comfort. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If you've made that declaration, and I don't mean simply uttering the words, but actually receiving Jesus as Lord, you must have the Holy Spirit working in you. You couldn't have done it otherwise. So be encouraged. You're not alone. You have the Spirit, and He is at work in you. Also, just because it's fun, let's take a second to notice the nice Trinity reference in verses 4 to 6. Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, 
but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. We know that the word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible, but here's a good spot where Paul talks about God, in this instance referencing the Father, the Son, who Christians often refer to simply as the Lord, and in verse 5, the Spirit. They're all there. Sorry, it was verse 4, the Spirit. They're all there. They're working together. They're being three and yet one. He is all there. They're all there. Grammar in the Trinity is tricky. Don't, don't worry about that, though. Let's keep reading. Let's go back to the chapter and keep reading. Verse 7 now. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Stop there for a second. This section strongly relates to Paul's countercultural message. In this section, Paul is being anti Roman. As Christians, and even as Jews, the people of the Corinthian church didn't acknowledge the various Greco-Roman pagan deities. Well, officially they didn't, but let's be fair, this is the first generation of Christians. This letter was written in about 53 AD. It's only been 20 years since the crucifixion of Jesus. All of these people are first generation Christians. None of them grew up in Christian homes. So they were all very, very familiar with the Roman gods. And they would have been used to going to different gods for different purposes. So Paul lists some of the manifestations or gifts of the Spirit. He talks about wisdom, talks about faith, talks about healing, talks about prophecy. But in the Roman world, if you wanted wisdom, you went to see Minerva. You probably recognize her better under her Greek name, Athena. Athena is the goddess of wisdom. But if you wanted healing, you would go see Asclepius, or Asclepios if you're Greek, who is one of the sons of Apollo. Speaking of Apollo, if you wanted prophecy, that's who you would go see. You'd go over to the temple of Apollo. And in Corinth, the protector goddess of Corinth was the goddess Aphrodite. Corinth also had a patron god because of the sort of work that they did there, and that patron god was Poseidon. And of course, they're a Roman colony, and so the patron god of Rome is Jupiter, also who's basically Zeus, in case you're not up on your Greco-Roman mythology. And then beyond that, they had various household gods. They had gods who were over just, you know, the god of the fireplace, the god of the living room. They had, they had all sorts of gods that they went to for whatever purpose they had. And they were used to this. So where for us, it seems almost academic and almost an exercise in thanks, Captain Obvious, to say that God gives different kinds of gifts, for the people of Corinth in the first century, it wasn't obvious at all that one God could act so differently with different people. And this will be an important part of Paul's message going forward in this chapter. 
God gives different gifts, but they're all from Him. And just for the sake of historical context, you can see here how this is sowing the seeds of the future conflict between the Christians and the Romans. The Christians won't acknowledge their gods. The Romans are very open. They'll acknowledge any god, but the Christians won't. And they especially won't acknowledge Caesar as God. We can see where the trouble might come from. Let's go back to the text. Chapter 12, or uh, verse 12, sorry. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And that's the end of the chapter. Do you see what I mean about Paul talking about God giving many different kinds of gifts? Honestly, like, this chapter is so good. It just speaks for itself, and it's so rich. But we've still got a few minutes, so I guess I'll highlight a few things. We see in this chapter that spiritual gifts are given to everyone, but that not every gift is given to everyone. Does that make sense? Everyone gets a gift, but not everyone gets the same gift. And each gift is not necessarily given to everyone. But we should also say everyone in this context is talking about believers, right? It's not saying that Paul gives gifts, gives 
Let me start that sentence over. It's not saying that God gives gifts to unbelievers. He is giving spiritual gifts through the Holy Spirit to the members of his church. And it makes me crazy that some Christians seem to have built a hierarchy out of the gifts. As if certain gifts show special favor, and as if we have a say in what gifts God gives. Paul asks rhetorically, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? The implied answer is no, of course not. So let me say this loud and clear. You do not need to pray in tongues to be a real Christian. If you do, that's great. I do. Paul does. Paul says in chapter 14 of this same book that he prays in tongues more than any of the Corinthian church. But Paul doesn't consider this a point of pride. His only concern is for the use of his spiritual gifts for the edification of the church, the body of believers. Now, obviously there is a hierarchy of the gifts in the sense that certain gifts just like they need to come first. For example, you can't have an interpretation of tongues if you don't first have a gift of tongues, right? Like, somebody needs to have tongues for somebody's gift of interpretation to be able to do anything, right? Fair enough? Nod. You're awake. And Paul actually says, how about, um, what about the gift of apostleship, where Paul says in verse 28 that God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Do you know why that is? Because apostles start churches. You can't have a church if nobody starts the church. That's what apostles do. That is their role. The word literally means one who is sent. But practically speaking, it's a person who starts not just one church, but many churches. And if you think about the people that we know for sure are referred to as apostles, Peter, John, Paul, right? What did these guys do? They went around starting churches churches. I would say it's pretty fair to say that a gift like apostleship is a prerequisite to the rest of the gifts being able to exercise. You have to have a church for the gifts to be able to work in church. So, so there is something to say that there's a hierarchy there. The apostleship surely then is a position of great honor. But what does Paul say about the diversity of gifts as he compares the different giftings in the church to different parts of the body? He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Apostles are great. We need apostles. But you know what else we need? Nursery workers. Food bank workers. Greeters. Soundboard technicians. In fact, there's a great example I'm the teaching pastor of this church. I'm responsible for creating the preaching plan, recruiting and assigning speakers, as well as actually doing a significant portion of the preaching. I am on this stage for between one-third and one-half of the average worship service. I am very important to the functioning of this church. <laughs> but what happens if Whitney mutes me?
gone. I imagine that example was especially obvious for those of you who were watching online. At least in the room, I can project. But if, you're, but if this microphone shuts off, nothing is coming over the internet. We can't afford to treat some people like they're more crucial. Like some spiritual gifts are more important than others. We need all the gifts. We need all of you. Which brings me to my last point. God gives the gifts for service. These aren't toys. These aren't tools that we get to pull out and use whenever we feel like to accomplish whatever purpose we feel like. God gives us gifts to use in His service, to accomplish His purposes, and to be used to love and share and grow His church. And I do mean the big C church, right? Not Elam Chapel specifically, but if this is where God has planted you, then this is also where God is calling you to serve. To that end, I'd like to read a passage from the Gospel of Matthew. It's a familiar passage, a well-known parable of Jesus, the parable of the talents. It's found in Matthew 23, verses 14 to 30. Jesus says, Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the two, one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I want to drop a piece of context on this. One talent, as we often call it, although in this translation they're referred to as bags of gold, one talent is about 20 years of a day laborer's wages. For perspective, a day laborer, or minimum wage worker, in Manitoba makes about $12 an hour. 
If that person works for 40 hours a week for 20 years, they will have earned, anyone? Mental math? About half a million dollars. A little bit different perspective. I've always thought that a talent was like 100 bucks or something. Like, yeah, you didn't give that last servant very much to work with. Mm -mm. Turns out he was given more money than the entire annual budget of this church. He was given more money than the average house sold for in Winnipeg last month. And I want you to think about that next time that you feel like God hasn't given you much to work with. Which then begs the question, what has God given you to work with? What gifts and talents has, and calling has God given you? I can't answer that for you. That's between you and Him. But I can tell you that you have them and that you need to use them in His service. That's what they're for. And as we all emerge from the hibernation, not only of winter, but of lockdowns and restrictions, how are you going to include this in your life? You have to plan. You have to think about it. You have to do it on purpose. We've got lots of opportunities here. We already heard this morning about how we have an opening on the elders board that we're looking to fill. And maybe God has put that on your heart. But we also have on our website, ecwinnipeg.com serve, we have a whole list of areas in the church where we need you and the gifts that God has given you. There's so many opportunities. God has been so generous, and this is your chance to do the thing that he has made you for. So let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the passage that we heard today, God. We pray that it would go into our hearts, that it would reap a harvest 30, 60, and 100-fold, God. We pray that we would be closer to your son, that we would be more like him, that we would be more the people that you intended us to be as we go into our week. Help us, Lord, remember this. Bring it to our remembrance. Help us to put it into practice. Make our Mondays different because of Sunday. We pray all this in your name. Amen.